So how do you create generational wealth for you and your family without feeling burnt out, overwhelmed, or sacrificing that special time with your family and friends? And how to run your business like a true CEO? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. Hi, I'm Elena Dacus, and I'm a founder and CEO of Bossy Hills. And for the last 20 years, I have been buying and selling companies. I have bought and sold over 50 companies worth over 10 billion US dollars and open the lids to hundreds of businesses to see what works from the inside. Why is it that one company has everything going for it? Celebrity status, huge following, but underneath it all the founder is trapped within its business, hating its clients, can't exit and can't scale. And those elements over the last 20 years what successful companies had in common and what failed businesses missed to implement is what I have put into my signature framework powerhouse CEO. And those are the insights I will be sharing with you every single week. Hello, hello. I have a very special guest today with me, Mark Mawani. Hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, and we're going to have a really special conversation. And it's all about how to get more coaching clients with these three pillars. So if that is of interest, keep on listening. Mark, I'd love you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit more about you, your business, your story. Yeah, thanks, Elena, for having me. Uh, basically, my whole business is helping coaches get more clients organically uh, without paid ads. So I've been doing this since 2014, just celebrated nine years. Feels like five, not nine. <laughs> of course, COVID and everything changed everyone's concept of time. But yeah, I'm really big on uh, helping coaches get more clients without paid ads. And uh, that's really what the three pillars approach um, is all about uh, with it. Uh, people may know me of a podcast called Natural Born Coaches. You were a guest recently. So thank you for coming on the show. I have a Facebook group called The Coaching Jungle. There's over 24,000 coaches in there now. And I've been emailing my list daily since 2016. So that's, uh, I could talk all day about all this stuff, but I'm sure we'll touch on different things. with the I, I, I would love to start there because I think those are the numbers. I think in the world of social media right now, when we see coaches, they come and go, uh, they're big, they're everywhere, they're dancing, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're running ads, they're doing all the things. And then six months later, they have disappeared. And I think we see this over and over again. And I think one thing I'd like to start with is this. You have been incredibly consistent. I mean, podcast since 2014. I mean, just getting, you know, just thinking about those numbers, emailing your list consistently every single day. So I'd love you just to talk about that longevity and consistency. How do you think about how do you achieve it? And what advice do you have for people? Yeah, so I can't dance. I'm like a typical middle-aged white guy dancing. I'm not not good. So that's why I have to do something else like consistency. Uh, but I've often said that consistency is an underrated superpower for coaches, or I think for any entrepreneur. Because like you said, so many people jump in, they're all excited at the beginning. They do something for a few weeks, 
a few months, they don't get the results that they like, and then they're off doing something else or they're gone. Um, how many people in the last few years have gone from being Bitcoin experts uh, to NFTs? Uh, they were clubhouse experts. Now they're chat GPT experts or whatever the trend is, and they're just bouncing all over the place. Uh, so I'm a really big fan of consistency, you know, and um, uh, Darren Hardy talks about that, right, with uh, his book, The Compound Effect, um, how it's better to be consistent, do those small actions consistently every single day, as opposed to a big flurry where you're pushing really hard for a bit, then you're burnt out and you're, you're gone um, with it. So when I say three pillars, what I basically mean is there's so many um, things you can be doing to build your business in the online space. I'm a fan of focusing most of your efforts on just three main things instead of trying to do 38 things and not being able to focus very well. And that's where the three pillars, or you can think of it as three legs of a table or whatever. There's, there's those three things. So um, for my business, in a nutshell, my three pillars are podcasting. That's my show. And then also going out on shows like we're doing here today for yours. Uh, it's community building and mine's a Facebook group, but really can build a community anywhere. Um, I know some people swear by uh, they, their communities on Mighty Networks or something else. doesn't have to be Facebook. And finally, uh, email marketing, but specifically daily emails. Like I said, I've been a huge fan of those, doing them for years. And um, I will debate anyone who says email is dead. <laughs> so I, I still do other things. You know, I'm showing up on LinkedIn. I do a little bit on the Instagram. I'm starting to do more on YouTube. But uh, really, I focus 90% of my effort on those three pillars. And what does your routine looks like? Is it every single day I have to hit my three pillars or do you batch content? What is your kind of scheduling looks like? Um, so the, the interesting thing, especially with daily emails, this could encourage people to, to actually do it because it sounds like a lot of work. Oh my God, to be doing emails every single day. But you have to remember that you can repackage that content. And I know that you're really big on that, Elena. One piece of content could be shared all over the place. So the daily email is really the foundation, but ends up going to other places. It goes to three different places on my Facebook for different things like the group and my personal profile, my fan page. Uh, it goes to my blog, goes to LinkedIn, it goes to Twitter, it goes all over the place. So one piece of content may end up turning into eight things a day. Um, so a lot of times people look at me, they say, yeah, Mark, you're doing uh, good, but I don't want to be working as many hours as you do. It looks like you're on your laptop 24 seven. No, I'm not. <laughs> it look, may look like it. It's just that's why it, it looks that way. I've gotten really good system in place for repackaging. And also gets easier too, because I'm able to cheat a little bit. I could take content that I created back 2014, 2015, 2016, may have to tweak it a little bit, but for the most part, it's evergreen. And then I can use it now in 2023. So the content that you create today, your future self in 2025, 2020, I can't even believe we're in these years now, uh, 20, 2025, 2026, that person's going to be thanking the you of today for creating it today. Yeah. And I guess that's one of the advantages of blogs and podcasts and YouTube as well, isn't it? That mm. it's, it's always there. It's always available. You can have people who just discovered an episode that you did in a podcast a few years ago and it's, and they could be listening to it as we speak. Yeah. I, I got a really good client once um, a few years back from an app. I did an interview on a person's show and that person's um, podcast was for freelancers. I'm not a freelancer. I've worked with freelancers. I've hired them, but it's not, you know, my, my niche. 
And uh, I still went on the show because I thought, okay, we'll have a good time or whatever. I wasn't expecting to get a whole lot from it. I just want to go and provide value. And I got a coaching client afterwards. I said, how did you come across me? Because I'm always curious how they found out about me. And they said, oh, I heard about you on this podcast. It was one for freelancers. So I don't know if I'd be doing a podcast for like Beanie Baby enthusiasts or like, a, I don't know, Sex in the City, you know, podcast or whatever. It's not my thing. But uh, something like that doesn't have to be um, exactly bang on. I've gone on shows that aren't exactly for coaches. I've actually gotten business from it. And it doesn't have to be huge podcasts either. I know your show does really well. It has a lot of people tuning in, but I've gone on smaller shows before and, and they've been very valuable uh, as well. So don't be too... Uh, too picky when it comes to what you're doing in, in that regard. Yeah. And I think the beautiful thing about podcasts, you're in somebody's ear for a very long time. And especially the social media scroll culture, where if you haven't hooked them in the first two seconds, you're gone. They moved on to watching somebody else dance. I think yeah. this is what the beautiful thing about podcasts, and especially for coaches, because the work the coaches do is much deeper, much more intensity and proximity with clients. So you're really setting up that as a foundation where people get to know the way you speak, the way you talk, the way you can communicate the way you coach through something that's longer form is really helpful to set up your right as a as a client for the business. Yeah. So for me, like I mentioned, I ask people, hey, how did you find out about me? And a lot of times they can't tell me specifically how because they say, well, I'm on your email list. I read your emails most mornings, but I'm also in your Facebook group. And I saw you talking about it there. And oh, I listened to your podcast as well. And you mentioned it there. So in a perfect world, people are connected in all those places with me. So if they miss one thing, then they're going to um, hear me in another place as well uh, with it. So yeah, I think that's um, really important too. I, I don't would never want to put all my eggs in one basket. Uh, TikTok, for example, would make me very nervous because you've got government rumblings that they're going to ban it. They've already uh, banned it from government devices in, in, I think, well, my country, but I'm not sure about uh, your country. I'm in Canada and there's rumblings about banning it across the board. So I, I'd be very nervous saying, oh, I'm going to put everything on uh, TikTok. That's going to be my go-to because it may not be around in a year's time. You never know. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your the sense of community. So I love this idea, repurposing, doing one piece of emailing, longer form, and then maybe putting as a post, as a blog, as a Twitter post. Um, but also let's talk about the community, the power of community and really the Facebook group. Um, why do you think that's important? Um, tell us more about that. Yeah. So I see the online space, uh, like you hinted at earlier, it's very noisy and it's almost like a really big ocean. And if you don't have communities and you're just relying on, say, your news feed, if you're, whether it be Facebook, Instagram or whatever, uh, you're almost in a little boat or a little dinghy in the middle of the ocean yelling and hoping that somebody hears it. Uh, your community is like an island that you want to drive people to because once they're on the island, they're safe, they're warm, they're dry. They get to know, like and trust you, hopefully in there. And it's you have their attention um, now, I'd also argue email can be a community in a way as well. Um, it's much less noisy than looking at your emails opposed to fighting over millions of posts on the newsfeed, uh, especially coming into 2024 with the American election. That's going to be a real garbage fire, <laughs> dumpster fire with all the noise going on uh, with it. But yeah, you want to pull them into your community and then they get to know, like, trust you, and they're more comfortable to uh, do business with you as well. And not a lot of people have that patience to do it because it takes some time to build up a community like that. Um, I launched a coaching jungle in the fall of 2015 
And um, here we are today, but I've just show up every day, give value, communicate with people in there. I have some really great folks in there as well. And that helps. And um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of community as well. And what's your, so you would, you, you write one email. Let's I, I know a lot of my listeners and the women and, you know, they have kids, they all love schedules, they love yep. plans and they love to be like practical advice. So one email and then what you just go and do live in your Facebook group and you maybe have like half an hour when you engage in comments. Is that what it looks like for you? Um, so the way that I work my daily content strategy is, um, as mentioned, it always starts with the email that's written. And I don't write it the day of, by the way, because that's a lot of pressure. If you are staring at an empty screen and you just don't have it that day and you have writer's block, that's not good. So I always stay at least a week ahead, sometimes a couple weeks ahead with scheduled emails. The email goes out at the same time of day, every day. It's usually around seven o'clock Eastern in the morning. Uh, then it goes on to the blog. And uh, th that's a whole other conversation. Some people would say, well, gee, I don't want to put on the blog because then who's going to subscribe to the email list if they can just go to the website? Um, there's different reasons for SEO and, and different things, but uh, people want the email in their inbox. It's easier to read. Most people aren't bookmarking and going to visit on the blog, although some will. Uh, so then it goes to blog. Uh, three places it goes to my Facebook group. Uh, it goes to my personal Facebook and my fan page. Um, it also goes to LinkedIn, goes to Twitter, and sometimes goes to Instagram, although some of my content isn't picture-friendly really uh, for Instagram, so it doesn't. Um, Instagram's probably my least active social media um, network that I'm on, although I never got into Clubhouse. Everyone said in early 2021, you have to be in Clubhouse. It's an S big thing. You'll be out of business if you're not on Clubhouse. Said no, I'm good, and I think a couple of years later that probably proved to be the right choice because Clubhouse really isn't doing much. I know there's some people doing okay on it, but it really seems to be dying uh, at the moment. So that's I amazing. Hope, I, I hope love Clubhouse this. doesn't sponsor your show or anything. No, no, they don't. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I love this routine, isn't it? Email every day, and uh, do you do also like pin interest for your blog? Like, do you then? pin it so you get leads from it or do you have it SEO? So this is, I guess, is blog yeah. a good source of leads for your business? Blogging is not what it was like in 2005 or 2008, obviously. One of the main reasons I have it on the blog um, is for shareability when it comes to, let's say, Twitter. You can't, tw with you have a certain number of characters, you can't put a whole daily email as a tweet. So it's sending them over to the blog. But of course, if they're going to the blog, they're then seeing the other things that I um, have my programs, products, my my free resource that's on the page and everything as well. So I still do other things. Like I do Facebook Lives. Um, as mentioned, I'm starting to get back into YouTube because I got away from that for years. Um, but I'm starting to do some stuff there as well. And, and a lot of times when I say three pillars, people are like, oh, you only have to do three. No, you can still do other stuff. It just means that you're keeping a lot of your focus on the ones that are working for you. And your three pillars could be different than mine. Um, I know you do really well with Instagram, uh, Elena. So that could be, that's one of your pillars, you know, or some people, if your people aren't on Facebook, don't build a community on Facebook. It doesn't make sense. Go to where your people are. Yeah, that's wonderful. That is wonderful. Um, I love it. And um, Twitter is a great one. I think Twitter is also a good one for like a thought leadership as well, isn't it? Yeah. So my opinion on Twitter, to be honest, um, I've got like, I don't know, 45,000 people on Twitter, but I don't do a ton of get a ton of business in all honesty from Twitter. Uh, where I find Twitter better is it gives me content ideas. 
So when I scroll through the news feeds and stuff like that, something will spark and I'll say, oh, that would be a great topic to discuss in an email or whatever. So that's how I view Twitter. Same as uh, the media. Like, I think it's dangerous to pay too much attention to the news. It's so negative and toxic. But I do get a lot of content ideas by doing them. I call it a 10-minute 10, 10 media pub crawl. So just like you do a pub crawl around town and hit different pubs and have a drink, then go to the next one and stuff. Over 10 minutes, I hit the main sources I usually check out, and then I'm out of there. I don't want to be stuck on the news all day or whatever. And I get some really good ideas that way as well. So my content isn't always all about coaching because I find a lot of times people, um, they're teaching this stuff. They're so dry and very academic, very corporate type stuff. If I can work in a current event or some news thing that I find, then that can be really good. So um, I'll give a quick example. I was um, looking, I think it was on CNN um, years ago. I wouldn't recommend watching or reading too much CNN because uh, it, it it's uh, constantly negative news, they say it stands for. Um, but I saw a story, uh, Warren Sapp is a former uh, NFL football player, and he actually got bit by a shark when he was fishing in Florida. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I turned it into an email talking about the online coaching space where there's a lot of sharks. And if you're not careful, you could get bit by one of these sharks. And here's how you can watch out for yourself or whatever. That became a piece of content tied into a, an interesting current event or little news story there. Yeah, amazing. So if you have to say like, because I think the, the email is amazing because it's also more it's very intimate, right? It's kind of mm. like you're there in people's inboxes and you're there as a friend. Uh, there's certainly a closer proximity to it. Um, but I think you're right. I think what I love about this strategy is that it hits really e ecosystem. They, they read your email. They're listening to your podcast. They're reading something else. So it's not necessarily one thing they're picking. They're kind of entering your universe and they're seeing you. They're reading your words, either every day or at least once a week. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. And to show how that works and how people get accustomed to seeing your name popping into their inbox. Uh, years ago, my email provider had a tech issue uh, that morning when I sent it out. And I didn't realize it until I started to get emails from subscribers. They said, Mark, did you unsubscribe me from your list? Or uh, one of them said, are you doing a social experiment? I didn't get the email at the normal time. I said, no. And then when I checked with my provider, uh, AWeber was who I was using, there was a company-wide tech issue and all the emails were just stuck in limbo. Now they went out a few hours later, but that proved to me that even if you don't hear from people, they may not be replying to many of your emails or whatever, you do become part of their routine, their daily routine. And uh, that's, that situation proved it. Uh, the other thing I think is really important is you want to reward them for spending, even if it is 30 seconds or a minute, opening it up and reading your email because everyone's really busy. And there's something I uh, read years ago called The Iron Imperative uh, from an author named Josh Burnoff. And he has a book called Writing Without Bullshit. And he, his iron imperative is, he said, treat the reader's time as more valuable than your own. So basically, don't waste their time. And all of my emails, I like to share a quick story, quick aha, maybe a lesson. I don't overteach. It's not a thousand words where I'm just throwing stuff at them, but something that will make them think and that they can take something from it. And then I transition to a really simple call to action. It's not an arm twisting aggressive one. I'll say, oh, by the way, I go over this in greater detail in my XYZ program. 
here's the details or here, get, find out more about it here. Uh, and I think a lot of people are doing email wrong because they're like the home shopping network, <laughs> you know, um, whatever the sham wow, they're just like all caps and false urgency and just sell, sell, sell or whatever. Or the flip side of it is they're just teaching, but they're not making an actual offer and then they're not making sales from that. So you have to kind of combine the two. So would you put, uh, you talk about your offer every day as well in the email? Well, I haven't a call to action every day. Now, it may not be an offer. So for example, we recorded your interview on my show will be going out this spring. That could be my call to action that day. Hey, I had uh, Elena Dacus on the show today where we talked about blah, blah, blah. Check it out here. So you're always making an invitation for them to take the next step with you. Doesn't necessarily mean that has to be an offer. Um, now, there's been two days I haven't made an offer, and, and I've been doing daily emails. I checked. It's been over 2,500 straight days since uh, April of 2016. The only two days that I didn't make an offer, an invitation, one of them, uh, one of my favorite baseball players who had just retired, uh, Roy Halliday, died in a plane crash off the coast of Florida or whatever. I, and I shared lessons in that email because I'd been watching him for years. He was professional, great player. And it didn't feel right to then, you know, say rest in peace, Roy Halday. Oh, by the way, I have a sale going on, you know, today or whatever. Um, the other one just a few weeks ago, uh, th this is where life gets in the way. I had an email scheduled for that day and my father passed away unexpectedly. Um, so I didn't feel right. He passed away on a Saturday morning. Um, my email had just gone out on the Saturday morning, but for Sunday, I didn't want to do a promotion or whatever because my father just passed away. So I sent out a very short rest in peace, dad. And my call to action, actually, I, I did have a call to action in that email. And it was basically, if you have loved ones that you haven't talked to in a while or whatever, reach out to them today. You know, that'll make me feel better. And the interesting thing, I got about 15, 20 emails back from subscribers. And the number of them said, hey, Mark, I just, you know, sorry for your loss, but I want to thank you because I haven't seen my parents in a while. And today I took a trip to see them just because of this. You know, I drove an hour to see them or I called a friend I hadn't talked to in a while. We talked for an hour just because of this. So th that was a different type of call to action, but it made me feel good. And it's beautiful. And I think it's like a, as a coach as well, if we can get people to actually do something different, this is the most rewarding thing. Yeah. I think we talked about in the podcast, just just sharing information for information's sake, it doesn't serve anyone. Um, but actually giving them a prompt to do something, take an action, think about this differently is just so valuable. And what a great story, Mark. It, it's just beautiful. Yeah, so um, when I say have your emails scheduled out, you do have to keep some flexibility because life may get in the way. There could be a zombie apocalypse tomorrow. Uh, if that's the case, I'll unschedule the one that was planned for tomorrow and I'll send one out about zombies or something. Exactly. Um, but, uh, all kidding aside, you never know. You might have a, a death in the family, something like that. If I didn't have the emails scheduled... Uh, that week after my father passed away, the emails probably wouldn't have gone out, you know, and um, just be because I wouldn't have been in the right frame of mind with it. So I um yeah, I'm a big fan of with uh, well batching what you're doing, but also scheduling stuff out. So you're not putting too much pressure on yourself every day that you have to create the stuff right there, right then. It feels good to have a week or a couple weeks um, in the can, so to speak. And I guess that's as a key secret uh, to your con incredible, outstanding consistency. I yeah. think that's that's a really great tip and it's something for people to think about. If it's scheduled, you know it's happening, it makes you feel good. Um, 
And it's, yeah. you know, no matter what happens on that day, you know, the business goes on, you, you're prepared, you're organized. What a great feeling. Yeah. Like after we're done recording this, I'm going to write about a week's worth of emails and I don't just start with looking at a blank screen. I have notes sketched out in my journal. Here's why just a quick line or sentence to kind of prompt me. And then I'm sometimes able to pull from an old email or repackage it, like, like we mentioned. Um, but I can finish, you know, a week's worth of emails in, I don't know, probably uh, an hour to an hour and a half if I'm proofing the links. Now, in the very beginning, it took me about an hour to write one email. So I didn't start that way. It's just lots of practice doing this for a number of years. It's like going to the gym. So I build up my content creation muscle. But I'm a really um, big fan of sitting down and batching it so you're creating multiple ones as opposed to just writing one email at a time. You get into a flow, you're in a groove, and then you don't want to stop. You just want to keep going. Yeah. So what do you have, one day for emails? And then do you have a day for podcasts? No. Um, now, that being said, uh, Fridays, I usually don't book calls. It's more of a content creation day or a day just to think and you know, um, not put pressure on myself to do 10 calls that day. So I tend to write a lot of emails on Friday, but then even um, it, it's really when I'm inspired. And I find earlier in the day for me is usually better uh, because I'm fresher. I um, just finished reading something really good or I exercise. And I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Uh, some people might be night owls, so they may prefer to do it at midnight or 1 a.m. That's not me. I prefer to go in the morning uh, with it. Now, sometimes I get a second wind, and if it's the evening and I've, let's say, been reading, relaxed, I'm like, you know what? I feel like I want to write some emails. I'm going to go down to the office and do that. But there's no pressure on myself. Um, it's such a uh, – uh, you you feel like you you lost 50 or 100 pounds off your shoulders when you have those emails written. And uh, I'm, I don't know what, why anyone would do it the day of. I, I know people that do it. They're like, oh, yeah, I just open the laptop at uh, 7 o'clock every morning and start typing an email. That seems to be a lot of pressure. Great advice. So I think all of our listeners, they want to get on your email list immediately to get those amazing daily emails and those insights. So we're certainly going to drop the links in the show notes and leave all the details about you and your amazing podcast. But as we finish in the show, where can people learn more about you uh, and uh, tell us more about that? Yeah, I mean, the main uh, central hub is naturalborncoaches.com. Um, I have a free resource there. It's a coach's roadmap for success. Uh, so you can get that. You'll get on my email list. Uh, spoiler alert, you'll get daily emails. But I think everyone knows that by now. Uh, also, the Facebook group, I'm in there every day. And that's at dotcoachingjungle.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time, Mark. And it's been a pleasure connected with you speaking. And uh, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. One of the problems so many outstanding experts face is what I call an invisible expert trap. This is where you post three to four times a week and 70% of your content is incredible information. And this information itself can change people's lives. But no one seems to care. No one's asking to buy from you every day. And the truth is you're not quite sure where your next client is coming from. And business feels really unstable. You don't have consistent sales or consistent cash flow in your business. And 
you can't predict how much money you're going to make in the next month or the next quarter. This is what I see so many outstanding coaches, experts, service providers face. Even though their results are incredible, they have client testimonials, people tell them all the time, I'm not sure why you're not fully booked. If that sounds like you, I have something very special for you. I am running an incredibly powerful masterclass where I will show you how to avoid this trap, how to create consistent sales in your business, and how to turn your business into a cash generating machine. All you need to do is send me an email on contact at bossyheels.com or send me a DM on Instagram on Bossy Heels Club and I will send you an invite.